Pete's Podcast, Season 1, Episode 84, Bible Story Evangelism, Acts Chapter 9, Verses 1 through 43. So I thought I would review quickly the outline from, Schofield's outline from Acts Chapter 8, just before we get to Acts Chapter 9, just to bring us to review a little bit. Uh, Acts chapter 8 was about the fourth persecution. Saul was the chief, chief persecutor of the fourth, uh, the fourth persecution. Uh, the first persecution when was Peter was preaching in uh, Jesus' name outside the temple. He was thrown in jail for a night and released and told not to witness. He went right back to witnessing or, or uh, teaching outside the temple and he healed the cripple, the 40-year-old cripple that had been crippled in his entire life, at uh, probably a steady figure feature at the uh, temple, healed, <coughs> healed him and created quite a big commotion there with that. And, uh, and was thrown in prison with uh, John and probably the, the guy that was healed. And uh, and beaten, and they were happy about suffering for Jesus. But but um, uh, these are some peculiar people, zealous of good works. All right, uh, the first missionaries were uh, Saul created them by by trying to capture them, and and uh, as he says, uh, imprison and slaughter them, and uh, so they they scatter. And uh, that would be the fourth persecution. The third persecution was in chapter 7, the death of of Stephen. And they laid their coats at a young man's feet named Saul. So again, we don't really know how much time goes by. But um, so uh, the first missionaries were the ones that were driven out of Jerusalem by the persecution uh, the ministry of Philip, he went uh, first uh, uh, out into the wilderness, out into uh, uh, Samaria, the city of Samaria, and then down to, uh, uh, and that's where he met uh, Simon the sorcerer. And uh, Peter came and, and heard about uh, the work that Philip was doing and came, Peter and John came. I'm not mistaken. Anyway, yeah, and corrected uh, Simon the sorcerer, and and I think by the way Simon the sorcerer took the correction with absolute fear and trembling, uh, I think he was a believer. It says he believed. He was baptized. I think water baptized in the name of Jesus, and uh, I don't think he'd received the Holy Spirit yet because it was wasn't instantaneous. And I can see the purpose of God waiting to give the Holy Spirit, especially at this time when. Uh, it was very empowering with miracles and things like that. The only ones that are doing miracles, a lot of miracles, are the apostles and the Stephen and the other uh, deacons were able to do miracles. But I think he's keeping it just to reinforce the words of the apostles and leadership. But anyway, Philip uh, is told by the Holy Spirit to go down to Ethiopia uh, not sorry, down to Gaza, where he meets the Ethiopian eunuch, and uh, this man comes to Christ, and um, 
uh, he's a Jewish man. I think he was uh, there for the pilgrimage feasts. Uh, I don't know if they were the ones where Christ was crucified or a year later. Again, we really don't know the passage of time. I would guess that they were the ones that uh, had just taken place. But, uh, right, then to get to the outline for chapter 9, uh, just have to hold this button down for a second. Okay, so chapter 9, what we're going to look at today is the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus, which I think takes place on the road to Damascus. Um, Paul filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, which occurred, I think, on the road to Damascus. Could be Paul baptized uh, in Damascus by Ananias, I would assume, that came to, on instructions from God, who kind of complained about coming because he'd heard about Paul and what a bad man he was. But he believed the, the vision he saw, or, or however the Lord spoke to, to Ananias. Uh, Paul preaches... Uh, in Damascus to the point where they want to kill him because he goes to the synagogue and says, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's Those are fighting words at this time and dying words. It caused Stephen's death, the hands of Caiaphas, the high priest. Uh, Paul visits Jerusalem with uh, Barnabas and then he's sent to Tarsus, his hometown, where he lives for a couple of years while he's taught. And uh, by um, Jesus in the wilderness, it says, Jesus appears to him and teaches him for two years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think we'll cover that in the book of Acts or the verse that, that talks about that, verses that talk about that. Paul returns to Tarsus. And we don't hear about Tar Paul anymore until chapter 13. We're in chapter 9 right now. So a couple years go by between chapter 9 and chapter 13. Pretty much center around Peter. Peter heals Aeneas uh, in uh, a city, uh, Lydda, I think it's called, uh, and, uh, and raises uh, Tabitha, also known as Dorcas, in Joppa on the coast of the Mediterranean, about 40 miles west, northwest of uh, Jerusalem. All right, our memory verse uh, is the same as yesterday. Uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, I like to say He had me at whosoever 48 years ago, believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. All right, uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, breathing out threatenings and slaughter, I, how do you breathe out Slaughter. I'm going to kill you, I think, is uh, how you breathe out slaughter. Threatenings, I'm going to imprison you, I'm going to beat you, I'm going to whatever. Against the disciples, slaughter would be stoning. Um, against, like they did Stephen, the disciples of the Lord. Now, who are the disciples now? They're not the 12 disciples. They're the 12 apostles now. Disciple means learner. I would say if you're listening to this, chances are you're a disciple. You're wanting to learn. Maybe you just stumbled across it. I don't know. Uh, but if you're repeating coming back to this podcast, then I would say you're a learner of the Lord, of the Lord's Word, not my disciple. 
uh, but of the Word, which uh, our faith is in the Word of God because without the Word of God, we wouldn't, I wouldn't know anything about God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, it says in Romans, and hearing by the Word of God. So uh, it's, I love the verse where, where Jesus said in John 5, 24, uh, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. That's exactly what I did when I trusted Christ. I believed in the God of John 3.16. When I heard about the word, it was explained to me. It was a free gift. It was not of works, lest any man should boast. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I said, I'm in. This is it. And Saul said he was in pretty quick, too. And this is how he came to the Lord. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples, verse 1, of the Lord, uh, went unto the high priest, Caiaphas, and desired of him letters to Damascus. Why? Because he, all the other believers had fled Jerusalem. So now he's got to track them down. To the synagogues that are in Damascus, that if, and again, synagogues are only about 500 years old, uh, they were not some. They were not. Moses didn't teach about synagogues. He talked about the temple. But the the population has grown. They've been taken in captivity in in uh, uh, Babylon, along the Mesopotamia, and in the along the Euphrates in the Mesopotamia area. And um, anyway, read uh, uh, first uh, Ezra, Nehemiah. Um, you can. Uh, Daniel, the book of Daniel, definitely the book of Daniel, to know about the Babylonian captivity. Anyway, uh, synagogues are places where Jews meet, and I think they, Jesus spoke in them. He's going to speak anywhere he can get a crowd, I guess. But he didn't have problems getting crowds, that's for sure. That if he found Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues of Damascus, uh, that which is north of uh, the Sea of Galilee, that he that if he found any of this way, uh, this way of uh, you know, saying that Jesus is the Son of God, whether they be men or women, that he, Paul, might bring them bound unto Jerusalem for slaughter and uh, threatenings, whatever. Um, verse 3, And as Paul journeyed, Paul came near Damascus. He's just outside of Damascus. I would call that near Damascus, I'm guessing. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice, and heard a voice saying, unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul said, Who art thou, Lord? And that use of the word Lord in the Greek, it's, it's similar to the use of the word Senor in Spanish. It can be Lord. It can, you know, they, the Spanish people called God Lord when in prayer. They say Senor, as we say Lord uh, in prayers. Uh, it's also that way in the Greek. It, it's a. It means it's a. It's a sign of respect. We have landlords, and we use that word a little bit that way. Uh, but it's more of a. 
a Greek or I've only run into it in Greek and in uh, in Spanish. But anyway, I think he's saying, "Who art thou, sir?" And the Lord said, "I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest." It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, what could he be referring to there? Uh, maybe he's uh, not sleeping well after consenting to the death of a young, good Jewish boy named Stephen, and who asked the same thing Christ did, you know, for hold this sin not against them. Looking up, seeing Jesus standing on the right hand of God, fell asleep being stoned to death. Maybe that bothered him a little bit. I don't know. They just I, I, my, my testimony begins before the night I trusted Christ. The death of my brother, uh, hearing the gospel a year before I, I heard it when I trusted the Lord, my dad talking me out of it, basically. Oh, what about the, you know, you got to visit people in jail and you got to clothe the naked and you got to, whatever, all this stuff. And, uh, the parable of the sheep and the goats, which is about the judgment of the nations, which was the first sermon I ever did because it seemed like the church I went to before I trusted the Lord, that was a very popular uh, subject to, to talk on and, you know, and to promote the idea that you have to do these things in order to be saved. But um, anyway, it is hard for thee to kick against a prick. So I think Jesus knew exactly what to say to Paul to get his attention and uh, to lead him to faith in, in Christ, in himself. And Paul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And I think this is a changed man. I think he knew exactly what was hard to kick against the pricks meant. The, the trials and, and, and emptiness of his life. And now he Jesus was standing before him. I think he knew a lot about Jesus. He just didn't believe in him. I knew a lot about Jesus until I believed in him, until I put my faith in him for salvation. If, if I don't go to heaven, I put my faith in the wrong guy. That's all, because I didn't put it in my good works, that's for sure. And he and Paul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? I think that's fruits of a, a man who reconsidered who Jesus was. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So Paul gets up from falling off his horse. And the men with journeyed with him, verse 7, stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. So I don't know if they heard the words. I'm not sure, but they... They know that Paul is uh, can't see. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. So he was blind when he opened it. He bright light, closed his eyes, uh, kept them closed, I guess, with a bright light, whatever. And uh, but he but they led him by the hand. So it doesn't sound like they're on horseback anymore. But they're just outside of Damascus, and these people are used to walking, so it's no big deal. Maybe the horses ran away. I don't know. Anyway, maybe Paul was hurt. I don't know. And brought him to Damascus, into Damascus. So, And three days without, and he was, and Paul was three days, or Saul. I would call him Paul now, because I, I believe he's a believer. 
And Paul was three days without sight, and neither did he eat or drink. He fasted while he was considering all the things that had happened. And there was a certain disciple, a learner. That's what they, all these people that are believers are called disciples. Because you're a disciple. I think you're a disciple if you trust Christ. But I, I hated to call some students students because they weren't really there, as far as I could tell, to learn. But the ones that wanted to learn, man, those are the ones I taught. And uh, I tried to make it interesting and, and, and enjoyable. And uh, at any rate, disciples, uh, and there were certain disciples at Damascus who were on the list to probably be taken back to Jerusalem and imprisoned and maybe worse. There was a disciple named Ananias. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. To him, the Lord in a vision said, the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And Ananias said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto Ananias, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas of one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. So again, never, another evidence that he's talking to the Lord. Maybe that he'll get his sight back. I don't know what I would be praying under those circumstances. Maybe, uh, I'm sorry for all the bad things I did. I don't know. But, and hath seen a vision. Okay, the Lord's telling Ananias that, that Paul has seen a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. So I've prepared him to, to, for your arrival and showed him a vision. Excuse me. That he... Uh, would see you coming. Then Ananias answered, this reminds me kind of of Moses. Lord said, Moses, I'm going to use you to, to get my people out. And he comes to Ananias, good Jewish man, a believer in Jesus Christ, and says, um, maybe one that fled Jerusalem. But anyway, um, then Ananias answered and said, Lord, uh, probably a little not sir, but more in the uh, Heavenly Father kind of thing. Um, Lord Jesus, um, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints that are at Jerusalem. You know, I had to learn pretty early on that saints are believers in Jesus Christ. Okay, they don't have to go through a process of uh, whatever and have performed a miracle. In, in, the, in the New Testament, saints are believers in Jesus Christ. So, and had done to thy saints at Jerusalem, all these people that have fled from the people that told me what a bad man. I have heard by many of this man, Saul of Tarsus, how much evil he hath done to the saints in Jerusalem. How he was, you know, consenting, he was leading maybe... He was the, the, the coordinator of the attack on Stephen that cost him his life at the end of chapter 7. We're in chapter 9, verse 14. And there he hath authority, and here he hath authority, Ananias talking to, to Jesus, or the Lord, um, and there saying he also has authority from the chief priests, which again, the, thanks to the Romans, they have two, 
Annas and his son-in-law Caiaphas, the elder and the younger, I think the Romans went with Caiaphas. The Jews would have gone with Annas, but uh, Annas, sorry, no I in it. To bind all that call upon thy name. I think he's talking to Jesus here, but whatever. And the Lord said unto him, unto Ananias, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. Stoned at Lystra, a day and a night in a deep, shipwrecked, um, beaten with rods. He lists all the things he goes through. Um, imprisoned, put in stocks, beaten. For, um, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. And why, why make a, an apostle suffer? Um, why make someone a martyr? Because it, it leads credence to what they, you know, why would, they, why would you do this if it wasn't true? Why would you suffer if it wasn't true, uh, what you're teaching? And so anyway, um, verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house And putting his hand on Paul, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So here's when he's filled filled with the Holy Ghost. But he hadn't been baptized yet. So it wasn't on the road to Damascus, but in Damascus three days later that he receives the Holy Spirit. Now you receive the Holy Spirit at, tr- at the moment you trust Christ. At least that's, uh, I think that's when I received it. I, um, but it came with no, if, if it was feelings that were involved, then it was when that girl said, if I never see you again, I'll see you in heaven. And I said, you're right. And I assented to, you know, the fact that I had trusted Christ as my Savior to someone else. I don't know. That's when I knew. So I don't know when the Holy Spirit enters somebody, but I think it's pretty much associated with salvation today. Um, When you sincerely, I hate to use that word, but when you trust Christ as your Savior, then I think the Holy Spirit can and does, in most cases, I would say, all cases comes into you. It's not something that you have to look, a second blessing that comes, you know, through all this stuff that some people say it comes through. Anyway, verse 18, And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. I think baptized uh, with water in the name of Jesus. He'd already been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is the same order I was. I received the Holy Spirit and I was baptized five years later. He waited a very short amount of time. But, and when he had received meat, food, he was strengthened. Then saw, then was saw certain days with the disciples that were in Damascus. And he's learning. He's a, he's a disciple now. He's learning. Disciple means learner. And he's learning. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he was the Son of God. I wasn't a Christian very long, maybe a couple of months. 
maybe three or four, and I was asked to give a testimony at Youth Ranch, the Bible study where I trusted the Lord. And I had never spoke in front of anybody. I mean, I had tried in speech class with three by five cards, and it was just not good. But I spoke about my brother uh, having died in Vietnam and about trusting Christ six months later and and pretty much my tes- what I call my testimony. And I had some verses to go along with it. And I remember this man came up to me. I don't remember who it was. But he said, that was, that was a very good testimony. So whatever. It, it was my first chance at public speaking, and it gave me confidence at public speaking. And a year later, I was giving my testimony at a Sunday school teacher's retreat at West Point. And this upperclassman who was, you know, I was a plebe, and he was an upperclassman, came up to me and said, man, I, I'm a Sunday school teacher, but I don't have your faith. I don't have your assurance and I was able and he goes I don't believe the Bible is the word of God so I took him to verses like Peter said we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty and this upperclassman said you know I I, I don't know if he trusts the Lord maybe he's talking about me on a podcast right now I don't know but it seemed like I, I had the right words to say to him but I was taught those by by the disciples in the, the young in our youth group, the, the learners, and that's what what that's why I love teaching, is because I get to learn. I'm totally engaged in in teaching, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he was the Son of God. How effective was he? But all that heard him were amazed. I think all that heard him, both believer and non-believer, were amazed for the same reason. Is not this he that destroyed them? which called on this name, uh, the name of Jesus in Jerusalem, and came hither for the intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. The fact that Paul was coming was, uh, you know, I'm sure some Christian rode to Damascus, rode every, everywhere and said, Paul is coming, Paul is coming, Paul is coming. Kind of like the British are coming, the British are coming. They knew he was coming, and they had good reason to be afraid of him. But Paul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the very Christ. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. So that's the unbelieving believer's response to being confounded by uh, believers at this time. I don't think we face that today, at least not where I live. And they're laying away, they're lying in wait for Saul, was known to Saul. I think he talks about this in a testimony later in Acts. And uh, his, his nephew uh, warned him that they were, they were hunting him and lying in wait. And watched at the gates day and night to kill Paul. You got to go through the city walls to... to So he's let down in a basket, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, verse 25. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down the wall by a basket. Kind of like the way the the two, uh, uh, Rahab the harlot got got the two uh, spies out of uh, of, uh, uh, Jericho. Okay, verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem... 
So, if I'm not mistaken, Barnabas brought him to Jerusalem. He is saying to join himself to the disciples, which would include the apostles and other believers that were there. But there weren't too many believers left, I don't think. I think these disciples were probably the apostles. And they were afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. The believers in Jerusalem, which it sounds like in the beginning of this, you know, everybody left except the, the apostles. But and, and Peter left and Philip left, but they came back, I think. Anyway, uh, it's only 40 miles and that's like nothing for them. Uh, and, and believed uh, not that he was a disciple. They were afraid of Paul. They'd heard about him. They wanted to see you know, fruits of repentance themselves, uh, reconsider. But Barnabas, who I think was with him in in, uh, I don't know, anyway, Barnabas uh, took him and brought Paul to the apostles, so I guess these disciples are believers that haven't run away yet, and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and he had spoken to And the Lord had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas, I think we can assume, was with him in Damascus. And he was with him coming in and going out in Jerusalem. Um, Name of Jesus. Uh, So I don't know how much time has gone by, many days. Uh, Paul is is meeting the disciples or the apostles in Jerusalem and Paul spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians this was the Grecians were the ones that came to Stephen and and, uh, were part of the group that stoned part of the council that stoned Stephen but they went about to slay him so they want to kill him in Damascus, now they want to kill him in Jerusalem. So when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea, which is uh, 40 miles uh, west-northwest of Jerusalem along the coast of, uh, and it's a very Roman city by its name. It's where the Romans, I think it's where Pilate had a house, and uh, the Romans didn't like to live in Jerusalem. They liked to live in Caesarea on the coast. It's a little quicker, I guess, to get word from from a day's journey quicker to get word from Rome. Anyway, Caesarea is how it's spelled. Caesarea. And sent him forth to Tarsus. So because, uh, I think because he was a new believer and also because the, uh, the high priest and others wanted to kill him, the council wanted to kill him in Jerusalem, they needed to get him to his home country, and I spent. Think he's. I think later we'll see in Acts that he uh, studied uh, in a school there and was taught of Jesus for two years in the wilderness, qualifying him to be an apostle and write uh, more than anyone else. Thirteen of the twenty-eight books of New Testament, or thirteen of the twenty-seven books, and if he did write Hebrews, he wrote more than half of the New Testament, of the 27 books, at 14 books. But anyway, um, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee. 
I mean, that's all the way up and Samaria. So uh, pretty far north, 100 miles north, all along the coast. The church had rest. Why? Because Saul was out of the picture. And the, the high priests are going, who are we going to pray Saul with? I mean, if Saul could be converted, anybody could be converted. Anyway, uh, and were, then had all the churches rest throughout all Judea. That's all the 12 tribes, land of the 12 tribes, all the way to the Sea of Galilee, to include Samaria, which was on the west side of of. Well, it was north of Jerusalem, let's put it that way. And were edified, encouraged, built up. Why? Because the apostles could teach uh, restfully without fear of being hauled off to prison or, or stoned. And walking in the fear of the Lord, which again is is not white knuckle. I think it was for, for uh, uh, Simon the sorcerer. He was pretty, pretty white knuckle scared. But I think that's a good thing. Uh, and, and it's evidence of me that he was a believer and didn't want any bad thing to happen to him. And we never hear from him again, but I, I fully expect to meet him in heaven. Could be wrong. It doesn't really matter. I don't decide those things. And I just try to study and figure out what's going on. And in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. So in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So good things came out of this. So God knows what he's doing takes the biggest persecutor of the church and gets him saved and uses him. Now, I don't I think he didn't make Saul believe. That would not be fair to all the unbelievers in my opinion. It, it pleased God to save them that believe. Saul believed on his own. Now, could God know that he was going to believe? Absolutely. God knows everything from the foundation of the world. But it doesn't mean he has he he makes it happen. When, especially when it comes to believing. Uh, being a Christian, now put in these ministries, again, Paul could not be faithful. as a, He could say, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to walk back into Lystra after I was just stoned, caught up into the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. In the, in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and we're multiplied. I, you know, a man is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. These guys are going to be eternally happy for the sacrifices they made for the Lord. Let me just put it that way. Uh, and it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he's going everywhere, he came down also to the saints which dwelt in Lydda. So that's about halfway between Caesarea on the coast and Jerusalem, I'd say uh, maybe 15, 20 miles Lydda is, and what's it, what Peter going to do in Lydda? And there he found a certain man. Saul's out of the picture now, so we're not going to pick Saul up until chapter thirteen, which I think is at least a couple years later. And there were found a certain man, and there Peter found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years, and was sick of the palsy. So he had some. Uh, crippling disease for eight years. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise, take up thy bed. And he arose immediately. So God reinforced the words of Peter when he went into a town like Lydda, 
with miracles, and that's cool. And some believe and some don't. I mean, they there's some people who want to probably kill Aeneas because, you know, Peter, he was healed. I mean, that happened to... Um, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, they wanted to kill him. It happened to the, uh, I think, the crippled man that they healed outside the temple, Peter did. Uh, and he immediately arose. Aeneas, Jesus Christ, maketh thee whole. Arise, make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt in Lydda and Saron, and this is in Samaria, saw him and turned to the Lord. And all that dwelt in Lydda. These Samaritans, they, you know, they got sorcery and they got all this weird stuff going on and idol worship. But man, they come to the Lord like all get out. And I've read missionary stories where people go and, and there's one in the in the South Pacific who ended up being eaten, went and further west he went. But but uh he was I was amazed at how these priests these these chiefs would go from idol worship to, to Christianity practically overnight. I remember one one episode was a woman that was the, the, the chief's uh, wife, and she said, I knew there had to be a good God. I knew there had to be a good God. Not one that was always taking vengeance on this, that, and the other, all this stuff. Anyway, so sometimes lost people make really good uh, converts. But... Uh, and all that dwelt in Lydda and Sauron saw him, the crippled guy, and turned to the Lord. Now there were at Joppa, now he's moved to the coast, which is just uh, on the coast now. Lydda was back inland, basically on a line from Jerusalem to Caesarea. Now you take a hard, if you take a hard right or a hard left at Lydda and go to the coast west, you run into uh, Joppa. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. And the woman was full, full of good works and alms deeds that she did. I told you yesterday, I think I told you yesterday, I was baptized in a in a man's swimming pool, uh, his name was Sonny. His mother's name was Dorcas, and uh, I, I tell you, Sonny, Sonny was one of the best Christians I ever met in my life. Very successful man. Died of a heart problems at the age of sixty back in 1990, and his loss was really hard to take. But uh, we did. I was a pastor at Palmetto Bible Church, and I gave the the Dorcas Award. His mother was in a nursing home, and and uh, I think the year she died, we'd given her a, the Dorcas Award. And then we gave it out uh, as long as we had that church. But anyway, uh, this woman was full of good works and alms deeds that she did. And of course, Sonny loved his mother. Uh, and it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed the dead body and laid her in the upper chamber. And the Jews are real quick to bury. I think they try to bury the same day um, for obvious reasons. But um, And as much as Lydda, the city, 
was nigh to Joppa, of, of 10 miles away maybe, um, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desire, desiring that he would come and not delay and come to them. These, these believers in Joppa are saying, hey, Peter's just, uh, you know, very close by. Uh, let's send some runners to bring him to us. And uh, Peter's a young man at this point. And so, and these people could travel like the wind. But anyway, uh, and they sent him two men desiring him that he would not delay and come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he is come, they brought him to the upper chamber where Dorcas was laid, and all the widows stood by Peter weeping and showing the coats and garments that Dorcas made. Clothing was really, really important. And God says uh, in, uh, in Timothy, be, uh, be content with food and clothing. So that's pretty much all Jesus had during his ministry. Not a place to lay his head. But anyway, and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, said, leave the upper room, and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Now, I don't know how Luke knows this. I don't know if he was in the upper room. Uh, he's pretty much you know, the beloved physician that followed these guys around. I think he's one of the disciples that could have been uh, filled uh, Judas's place, but but uh, they chose Matthias. Uh, Judas Iscariot was uh, just never believed. A disciple that never believed. He wasn't truly a disciple. You're not truly a disciple until you become a learner. And I think he was more of a thief than he was a learner. Verse 41, And he gave, and Peter gave uh, Tabitha his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. So he, all the crying women uh, and other believers, saints, uh, but there very well could have been apostles and disciples like Luke present in the room. Verse 42, And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So this is the, the process of the disciples turning the world upside down with the help of the Lord, which is basically the same thing we're doing or trying to do. And it came to pass that Peter tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon the Tanner. And this is where he has the dream. He's kind of resting in Simon's house and and uh, he has a dream, go to Cornelius. And he doesn't want to, but, uh, well, that's the next chapter, chapter 10. It's pretty much consumed with uh, Peter and the Gentile centurion, if I'm not mistaken, named Cornelius. All right, I will say adios, which is to God, and via Condios, which means go with God. And this one 
43 minutes and 56, 57, 58, 59, 